Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello, my beautiful, gorgeous little crepe Suzettes. It's me, Diane Chorley, the Duchess of Canvey, the Queen of the Estuary. Welcome back to Season 2 of Chatting with Chorley. Oh, my goodness me, we're going to have a gorgeous time. As per usual, myself and Milky, my beautiful little crispy peanut, we coming at you from the basement of our beautiful little studio in Canvey Island, which is ever so bleeding sunny today. Oh, my goodness me, what a beautiful thing that is. As per usual, we'll be meeting beautiful, gorgeous guests from all around the world and chatting to them about their beautiful, gorgeous lives and finding out loads of beautiful, gorgeous stuff about them. Oh my goodness me, I can't bleed and wait. And I tell you what, a lot's been changing since I've seen you the last time. No doubt when you hear this, we'll be out on the road to recovery again and everything will be returning back to normal. I already know that the other weekend I went down to the bleeding harvester with Hazel, Ron and Milky and... She'd reserved us a table for six. She had about 15 of those Koppenberg strawberry and kiwi and then she did a windmill with her jugs and knocked out a bricklayer from Putney. She should have stayed indoors. I've had some sad news. My gorgeous neighbour Janet, she's moved away. She's gone to a lovely little bungalow in the south of France. I'm sure she's having a beautiful time out there. If you're listening, Janet, I doubt it because you're deaf in both ears, but I'm sending you all my love. The people who have moved in next door, Larry Craddock and his wife Sheena, well... It didn't get off to a good start because they found Milky eating all their chicken dippers out of their chest freezer in the garage. They were absolutely fuming. Oh my God, they ain't used to him yet. And I tell you something, if they have to throw his bleeding American football back over the fence again, they'll be hell to pay. Milky, I sure to God I'm going to have to confiscate that bleeding thing. He ain't someone you want to mess with. He looks like a big toe in a suit. He's terrifying the fella. And he owns a hardcore removal company called Lovely Rubbly. He's got it blazoned everywhere, that bleeding logo. I'm sick of the sight of it. I do miss Janet because she didn't have a monster truck. I'll keep you posted because I've got a feeling we're going to have some trouble with that lot. But anyway, I've talked about myself enough. We've got to meet some gorgeous people on today's show. Oh my goodness me, you're going to absolutely love our first guest of the series. We're going to go in with a wanger. We're going to go in with a banger. It's going to be absolutely gorgeous. I'd like to welcome you to my beautiful guest. He's one of the most famous faces on TV at the minute. He's in everything. The beautiful... The gorgeous Tom Allen. Tom, my gorgeous babe, thank you for coming. Thank you for having me, Diane. It's such a privilege. I feel such this is such a great time to get to spend with you. It's such a great time in everybody's life right now. It's such a wonderful time in everybody's life. We're all enjoying it so much. To be honest, you've been doing a lot, though. I've seen you all over the shop. Well, I try and keep myself busy. You know, people say to me, why do you want to work all the time? And I say, because I know if I'm not working, I am probably out of control. Give us an idea of what is out of control, what you've been... Graphing bridges. Graphing bridges, I love to do. Breaking into a Yates Wine Lodge, I imagine. Maybe breaking into a Yates Wine Lodge, drinking all the Sambucas, maybe all the Chardonnay, or... Um, Mouthful of crackling. Yeah, maybe going into Lund Poly, stealing all the brochures. Into where? 
Lampoli. <laughs> oh my god, me. Lampoli. <laughs> I've forgotten that existed. I think they did too. That's beautiful. <laughs> that just me earphones jumped off, so it knocked me off <laughs> my guard. <laughs> These ones have got a little hinge on them, so they jump off occasionally. So if that's what happens, forgive me. Either way, you've been doing a lot of work, etc. Well, I tried to, yeah. I like to be busy, so yeah. Even if, even if even when we couldn't do anything, I like to keep a bit busy. What would your what would your normal routine be? Well, in the la- in like this time a year ago when we all had to go into lockdown, I got quite into doing a bit of yoga with Adrienne on YouTube. Oh, you did you? Everyone's that? doing that. Oh God, yeah, I love a bit of that. Me. Everyone's stretching now. Everybody's supple. That's the yeah. thing. I levitated. I was levitating the other day. That's. <laughs> I'll be fighting the yoga boss soon. That's where I'll be. That's Just where, me. That is true. <laughs> Just me floating through like that through Alexandra Palace versus the bleeding yoga boss. <laughs> I'll get the gold medal, don't you worry. I'll be the Dalai <laughs> Lama in no time. Me sat next to the Dalai Lama. Both of us having a nice little levitation. That's how we oh, roll. Wouldn't that be great? That would be great. And you'd be so stretched. Think about your calves and your hamstrings. Oh, hamstrings to die for, you'd have. Oh, you should see them. My calves. Oh, my goodness. It's like a nut roast. A burnt, <laughs> a burnt nut roast. No, a frozen Please. one. Please. Now, you've had a gorgeous career, haven't you, in the old comedy world? Absolutely bleeding gorgeous it is. Now, I oh. imagine you, and I don't know if this is right, but I imagine you're on a Saturday night in front of the telly. You've got a little takeaway or something. When you were a kid, you know, what was your big influence, you know, in comedy? What made you get into it? Oh, well, that's a good question. I mean, I think when I was growing up, I'm 37 now, and I remember on television, there weren't that many stand-ups, but the, the comedians I loved on television was mainly Victoria Wood. She was the only stand-up oh, yeah. I liked watching. Um, Came down um, my club a couple of times. I bet she did. Oh, yeah, I she bet. was in there. She weren't very sociable, though. Her and Morrissey, those two sat at a table. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it's maybe it's a sort of maybe it's a Lancashire thing. It is packet of cheddar snacks. You know that's what they was on about. Yeah. But that was lovely. They kept themselves themselves. I love a mini cheddar myself. It's my go-to snack actually. There goes that question for later then. What's your go-to? Oh snack? no! Have I ruined the podcast already? <laughs> no, no, no. I'm joking. That question's not on there. But that is the kind of question I'd ask. So prepare yourself for some highbrow business. <laughs> I am always on standby for that, Diane. Don't worry. Um, I, <laughs> I, as a kid, well, we used to love watching. Um, if it wasn't uh, Noel's House Party, it was Challenge Annika. You know, it was that sort of era, the golden era of Saturday night television, I think. My nan would be in the other room watching Blind Date. You went for Challenge Annika over Blind Date? I'm surprised. Yeah, I know, right? I'm surprised. I'm as surprised as anybody. But I don't know why. Mum was a bit BBC One driven, I think, at that point. Classy remember, woman. Very classy yeah, woman. Your mother, very classy. We weren't, although we weren't allowed to watch EastEnders because mum said she didn't want people to hear the theme music coming out the window. <laughs> mum always said it was just people shouting at each other. It's not very nice. Well, it is. And that hasn't changed in all this time. But I tell you, it's popular. People love it, don't they? What can you do with it? If you want to show on BBC One, that's all you've got to do. Just pitch something where people shout at each other constantly. Shout at each other across the street. Yeah, oh, no, I... constantly. That's why Challenge Annika was such a success. Because it was just <laughs> them all in that boardroom in front of that lovely little desk. Them just going, oh, let me get let me get volume four of the of the encyclopedia just to check out that little information fact about Bromley by Bow. Yeah, Annika, if you go thing. left, go left at the Crooked Pub, turn right, you'll find a little lamppost. <laughs> There'll be a man stood there. He's got one eye. And he's got a pair of wings. Watch out, though. <laughs> don't talk to him. Make sure you don't talk to him. <laughs> turn right. Turn right, the crooked man. But that's the kind of vibe it was, wasn't it, Challenge Anna? Because she's ever so gorgeous. What you've actually described there is Annika Rice's Treasure Hunt, um, which was a slightly different programme, where she had a helicopter 
Do you remember there was a cameraman and there was a sound guy who were always laughing in the background? Where are they now? That's what I'd like to know. Where are they now? Dead. They're dead, Tom. (laughs) (laughs) They're dead. That helicopter went down. That helicopter went down big and fast. (laughs) No, it didn't. Now, did you have a little takeaway? Would mum prepare a nice little feast? I don't know. What would happen on a Saturday night, you know? We wouldn't actually get a takeaway. They were deemed a little bit too expensive for us, actually, I hate, I hate to tell you. Not oh to tell you a sad me. story. We would sometimes get some takeaway-esque food from uh, maybe a Marks and Spencer's, which was, you know, upmarket, but not as expensive as going to an actual takeaway. No, that's um, fair enough. Even just the fact you went down to St Michael's for your dinner is something. Do you know what I mean? There's a tinkle of aspiration in there, dare I there say. There was a, definitely a tinkle of aspiration. That was mainly on a birthday, though, if I'm honest. We'd go down... Maybe get the Peking Duck from Marks and Spencer's. I recommend it. It's very nice. We'd watch Noel's House Party, which couldn't have been more fun. Mum never believed it with Noel's House Party, though, when they went to people's houses and they always had a pint of beer in their hand. Because, again, my mum, even though she's from Sydenham in South East London, a council flat in Sydenham, she still has grand aspirations and isn't above um, remarking that some people are common. What do you think about that, <laughs> Well, I think fair game. I mean, you know... Those in glass houses and all that. Yeah. Those in yeah. glass well, she houses. Was, she grew up near Crystal Palace, which literally was a glass house. So what what does she make of your success now? Do you think that's why you've improved? I mean, I'm not suggesting that you, you used to be like a little tyke and be like, oi! But have you? because your accent now is ever sounds ever so posh. Do you know what? I've always had this voice. I've always spoken differently to my family and to the people around me. I don't know why. I've always your mom, been so this sort of... Your mum doesn't speak posh-like. She just no. wants you to act posh. No, I don't know where we got him from. He got, yeah, say something, say something. Is um, she proud of your I, career? How you've turned out? Because, you know, you, you're a sophisticated fellow, always, you know, turning up or well, looking smart and stuff. She must be ever so pleased. I think she is pleased. I think she is proud, to be honest. Yes, I feel very lucky that I do have the support of a loving mother. But a boy's best friend is his mother, as Norman Bates taught us. So uh, I, uh, I, do, I do feel very lucky that I've got... Mum and Dad behind me. And did she encourage you into the world of comedy? She did, actually. She's always been into comedy and always got me to watch. Like, was always taping things for me to watch, like sitcoms, even like peculiar ones, like not peculiar, but like things like One Foot in the Grave. When I was like six years old, I'd watch or Spitting Image, I'd watch or um, like the Pink Panther films and, and anything funny, really. I used to be obsessed with it. Mum would often stay up late and tape it for me if it was on after my bedtime, and I, I just loved watching anything funny. So, mum, yeah, mum's always been into comedy and always encouraged me, I think, to get into it. But when I started out, there wasn't really, there wasn't that much stand-up stand around, as I say. It was all a bit sort of blokey and a bit sort of, it wasn't like now, where it's all very broad and nice. Yeah, well, that's, what, that's the thing, though, isn't it? Because I was thinking, as a stand-up comedian, you do present as a very, like an old-school comedian, you know, in the way you dress, and mm. I think so. I've got a touch of the Ronnie Lee Corbett's about me. yeah. You know, and do you think, well, I can't imagine that, you know, you say that Victoria Wood is a, an influence, but was there any kind of male stand-up comedians that you were like, oh, yeah, I, I get that. You know, that's the world I want to do. Well, do you know, Bruce Forsyth, actually, I remember at school there was, um, I can't remember who they were, but some sort of somebody came in to do a talk when we were about nine years old and said, who's your hero? And everybody was like, oh, police officer, the doctor, oh, my mum, who's your hero? And I think it was supposed to be like, who would you turn to for help? And I said, but I didn't realise that. They're like, who's your hero? And everybody said all these people. And then I just went Bruce Forsyth. Because I just, I really loved him. You know, the way he'd play the piano, do a tap dance. 
you know, yeah. not not the most likely person you're going to see Russia being abducted, though, is it? <laughs> I think that's what they were getting at, I think Tom. that's basically what they were... You know? Yeah, who would you turn to? And I was like, Bruce Forsyth. You're being bundled into a car. Has anybody got an application form for the Generation Game? <laughs> Bruce! Bruce! And Bruce just appears round a corner in his gorgeous little outfit. <laughs> doing a high kick. As you it... rang? <laughs> Tap dancing round. <laughs> yeah. Nice to see you. Um... I think that, as a kid, probably would have annoyed the kidnappers and they probably would have let me free. That's what I think. That's true. I mean, no one wants to abduct a child that's just shouting, Bruce Forsyth! I can think of many more attractive, you know, to a potential child robber. I'm not going to profile a child robber now. I'll go into what their tastes, for what celebrity they'd like to be shouted at, but I imagine it would be someone like... So not somebody who's going to talk about their days hosting live at the London Palladium. Yeah. Exactly. Or, or, yeah, or, yeah, or, or go into a cha-cha-cha. <laughs> Keep dancing. This was before he had his big renaissance with Strictly as well. Um, oh, of course, But yeah, people sorry. did talk about the great days of come dancing as well, the precursor to Strictly. Oh, yeah. Well, I was in prison around that time, so I wouldn't have seen it, but, I, of course, you know. Of course, I forget about those days. Well, it was a bit aggressive to get into the TV room, you know. Was it? Of an evening. So on Saturday night, forget it, they always had a movie on. Terminator, that's what they'd watch again Something and again. And again. Something that they'd go home and go back to their little room, get in a little naked ball and put the electric shock through them. That kind of vibe. That's what they're into. That's the what they like. I don't know. But of course, we'd get a takeaway on a, a Saturday night. You'd be lucky if you got a little bit of chicken breast in there, to be honest. We had to share a piece of chicken breast each. You know, that's what it was like in the prison. I like a nice little bit of breast piece in me, in me corner. Do you know what I mean? That's just what I go for. But that was hard to come by. It was like feeding time at the zoo. Wow. They just throw a tin of korma in there, and it was whoever whoever the, had the quickest hand. They were the one who got it. Oh, Diane! There, there was me at the front with a with a funnel, just taking it all, taking a, the biggest hit of the sauce. Oh, I, I, I love like the, the sauce. For me, it's always about the bread, actually. Oh, the naan. What would you go for? A pashwari? No, actually, just a garlic naan. Is that is that a garlic naan? Yeah, Ga- not a garlic naan. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's what you said. I know, I'll have two garlic naans like that. A garlic nun. Um, who feels yeah, like could be a new character on Call the Midwife. <laughs> Should be French. Yes. Hello. Did someone call the garlic nun? It's me. I'm here. But that's a bit Spanish <laughs> accent. That's why I've never worked on Radio 2. I'm not the best with accents. You should, you should hear me Irish one. <laughs> Got me banned. Let's put it that way. Well, that's oh, gorgeous. Damn. And what do you have for your main? Um, I do actually like, um, I like, a, I like a chicken tikka, often without the masala sauce, though. I'm, I'm wild like that. I like a gel. You have it dry. A bit dry. I like it a bit dry. What do you think about that? Well, do you have a mint yogurt at least? I do have a raita. Yeah, I do like a raita on the side. Oh, a raita. Sorry. See, what always happens with me is I say, oh, I'll have a chicken tikka. Ron, my draft, he'll order it. And I'll be like, a chicken tikka masala. He'll be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Then he'll oh. get a chicken tikka. He'll turn up. I'll be like, bloody hell, Ron, you've ordered a large chicken tikka. My mouth is dry as a bone. You know, oh, I've got no, to go into yeah. the bleeding fridge and get out the old HP. <laughs> cover it in HP and then I get a little bit of moisture in there do you know what I mean But so you go for a nice big dry chicken tikka but I might have a little bit of sauce on the side of something else like a dal I like to order a dal now what do you think about that perfect oh that's ever so classy I like yeah. it I'm into it yeah beautiful I like a bit of a dal on the side so that's something something to dip me dip me garlic naan in if you know what I mean no I can't argue with that and to be honest well, I don't know if you ever set the fancy having one of those nights you get one of those lemons what they've emptied out and put a bit of sorbet in do you ever go for that? That is lovely. I love a bit of a lemon sorbet in a lemon. Yeah, ever so classy. 
That reminds me more of going to Spain, though. You saying about your Spanish accent? Does it? Yeah, that reminds me of the sort of um... which bit? The lemon. The lemon or the accent reminds you of going to Spain. Both. Is it my Both. accent? It's a very authentic accent. Quanto. Quanto, quanto, what can I say? Uh, did you spend a lot of time in Spain growing We up? went a couple of times when I was a kid. We went to a place just outside Alicante called Javier. Oh, I went down Alicante a couple of times. It did was you? nice down there. It is nice Beautiful. down there. First time, first time I tried a lamb chop in Alicante. <laughs> no, that's the truth. Really? And may I... Dare I say it, the last time I had a lamb chop. Oh, my God. Wow. What What did you like? What didn't you like? Well, it was like Nagasaki in my bowels after that for a good week. I couldn't go on the beach. <laughs> didn't know whether to get some tenor ladies thrown in. I'll tell you, it was a nightmare for me. Well, did that, was it very spicy or something? Is that what upset you? I think it was a, just a bit off. It's a bit off. <laughs> I ate it and had that tanginess. I said, Ron, this don't taste right. It's a bit tangy. He said, it's fine. Of course, I ate it. I rude the day. It was absolutely a nightmare. Rude. What? Oh, oh, no. Rude the day. But it was a gorgeous holiday after that, about a few days, yeah. It was, yeah. it was fine. I'm not going to go on about it. I'm even now having a little callback <laughs> in the old bow region now. Sorry, Milky. His eyes are watery. <laughs> OK, beautiful. <laughs> so you've done a bit yeah. of acting as well. That's also a little highlight of your career. Because you was in some quite famous films, weren't you? Was I? Well, I was in my, Starter for Ten gets repeated every now on the television. Yeah, love that. Well, I only had like three lines in it, though. I mean... Yeah, but can I just say, best three lines I've ever seen in a film? <laughs> you can say that. I don't believe you. But... Can, you rem- can you remember what they were? Uh, I think it's something like, my name's Tristram Neville, I'm from Cambridge and I'm reading Pure Mathematics. And that's all I had to say. Correct. Well done. That's it, word for word. Perfect. They had a problem, so they had to get us back for another day. It was great you got paid for another day. I think I bought a laptop. Yeah, it was brilliant. What was it? Yeah. It was, a, it was a, an Apple one. It was the big white plastic one. It was about that fat. Oh, yeah. God, I remember. Yeah. Three inches big. They're building houses with them these days. Yeah, basically, I think they are. I'm glad to see they haven't put that lithium battery to waste. Yeah. Is that, so it's not, not, not something you'd want to do anymore, acting? Um, I would like to do it, but I like... I suppose I like doing stand-up and stuff because you feel like you have a bit more control over it. You know, it's your world, it's your thing. Whereas um, mm. acting, you always... Well, the thing about acting is you're always waiting for the phone to ring and I couldn't stand that. Yeah, you like to be proactive. I like to be proactive. I'm a very proactive person. Well, I can see that, you know, what with your yoga and etc. But the thing is as well is that at the age of 22, that's when things started to kick off for you, innit? And you got all your plundits. Well, you what say What they call that. it? Plaudits? Pl- plundits, yeah. Plundits. Uh, plundits. Is it? I, I don't know plundits what I'm saying. around that time. <laughs> Um, I um, awash with plundits. I was the um, no. I, well, I won a couple of newcomer competitions at that point, but I was, to be honest, I wasn't very good. I was just new. And the trouble was when I'd won those, people were then like, "Oh, I suppose he's good. We'll book him." And I wasn't good. I wasn't ready. So it took me about thirteen years. But what age did you start then? Twenty-one. Yeah, because I guess twenty-two. If you're thirty-seven now, you've become popular, haven't you? Over the past five or six years, really popular, haven't you? I think. Safe well, to say. I've been lucky enough to do telly stuff in the last sort of three years. I suppose that was a turning point for me. And I'd always wanted to do telly stuff. I really do love telly. You ever so good on it, though. Oh, You know, stop. that's why... I, no, that you are, because that's what I said about the Saturday Night TV, because you're just one of those comedians, you know. You've got that Saturday Night class. There's something about your gorgeous little... You've got a gorgeous little vibe in you, like a little... There's a little electricity in there. And people pick up on that, like me, Agent Hazel. She's, she's a cold woman. <laughs> but you've set a little electricity through there. Do you know what I mean? In that cold, dead heart. And people like that, that's when you know you can do it. On the main street, I'll see you on TV on a Saturday night and I think, that's right. That's absolutely the way it should bleed and well be. It's absolutely gorgeous. Now. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. 
At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juvederm.com. Love it. So, what did you make of like, because you did all your Edinburgh shows and things, you went up there and did the whole stint, did you? Like the whole full, stayed up there for a month? It's one of those things. It's such a beautiful city, but it's such a, the festival is so arduous. That's how I describe it. You yeah. do learn from it, but you do kind of get a bit of an assault on the, on, on the old senses and on the ego because you're going like, I'm just going to do my best. I'm just going to do my best. And then, mm. um, and then you sort of you feel like you're shouting in the wind a bit sometimes because there's so much going on. It can sort of feel you can feel a bit lost there. That's how I felt for a few years. So it was good learning, though. It taught me a lot. Do you know what? It's the water up there. <laughs> I don't know what it does to me, but it hollows me out. And my hair, oh my god, it's like kindling. By the, by the end of that month, <laughs> it's like kindling. I can't go near a life fame. It'd be like witches of Eastwick. It ain't pretty. <laughs> you know, and I like doing the stint. And you got your little people up there. And last year we opened, well, the year before, I like, can't even many, many years ago it was, but we opened our little, had a little nightclub, the flip down that opened that. Of course, we had a bar in there. Oh, brilliant. Oh, my God. I was drinking more than I've ever have done in my whole life. That's saying something. I'm sure I passed my liver <laughs> on like day three. I'm sure that disappeared on day three. Oh, my God. It was beautiful. I've never been that happy for a month. But <laughs> the come good. down. Christ alive. Oh, my God, I didn't get out of bed for four days. It was heaven. <laughs> so, actually, all round, it was a beautiful experience. But would I go back? Absolutely. I don't have a choice. <laughs> <laughs> That's the problem. They get you. They hook you in, don't hey, they? Well, hey. they say, well, next year, next year will be much better. You say, will it? Because <laughs> I had to sell a finger last year. So... <laughs> What what's going to happen this year exactly? It's going to make it any better. Or so, well, you'll get an article in the Chottle magazine or whatever the bloody hell it's called. Chottle, Chottle magazine will do a little piece on you. You're like, really? Oh God, I can't wait to get on Chottle magazine. My favourite. I read it all the time. Where'd it go for? Where'd it go for the rest of the month? Do you know what I mean? Forget it. I know. No, what I you love mean. it. I love all that world. I love that world. It's bleeding gorgeous. And I have to say, I wonder that you know because you're always in your bleeding beautiful suits. Oh. Thank you. Do you have a tailor of choice? Well, I've been very lucky. I've gone to different places, but I just got a suit from Tom Sweeney and I've enjoyed that very much. I recommend them. But I mean, but also I've done very well at Georgia Astor in the past. So, you know, don't think I've lost lost my roots. Haven't we all? 
We've all done very well at Georgia Astor on a bank holiday Monday when no one else is there. Oh, those leggings are cheap. Yeah. <laughs> but I'll tell you something, because Milky, he had some work experience the other day and I sent him down that TK Maxx to get a suit. Oh, my God, I gave him £50. You should have seen what he came back with. It was Versace. He had 15 cherubs on the back. What a waste of money. I had to take him back. I said, you can't wear that down British gas. <laughs> They'll you kick couldn't. off. What what a waste to bleed money. Have you ever been down that TK Maxx? I find it quite stressful, if I'm honest, because I don't know what I'm looking for. And the trouble is there is a lot of, you know, shit. So um, Yeah, everything. You have to There's sort of... a lot of everything. And I'd say it ranges from, you know, you can get like a Jean-Paul Gaultier number, but also you mm. could get something from like, Bluston's in Kentish Town, which used to sell like blouses to the middle classes in the 1970s. Queen Victoria. To Queen Victoria, yeah. basically. I always get there and I think, mm, do I want a giant pasta shell or <laughs> do I want some pink flashing earphones? I can't decide. <laughs> it's too much choice. Is it a pasta shell in a jar, perhaps? And there's always a big marshmallow next to it. Ooh. You know, to me, that's the perfect dinner. A nice big pasta shell. I don't know what you put in the pasta shell. Beef, bit of beef. Beef. Throwing a bit of beef in the pasta shell. Just beef. a big old... Top side, big old lump of top side oh, in the pasta nice. shell. Yeah. And then, what's for dessert, Mum? Oh, a bloody great big marshmallow. She puts it in the middle of the table. Feast for your life. It's like, oh, <laughs> that's the new normal. That's the and new then, normal. Mum. And then you're like, Mum, what's different about the lounge? She's like, I got that giant bleeding Buddha from TK Maxx. That's what's different. <laughs> and that lovely picture of a pebble. <laughs> but, but when it comes to suits, the point is, what I was getting at is... Because suits, and when we're talking about comedy in the past, and you know, there's a certain stand up comedian, right? And they wear suits, and it's a masculine thing, isn't it? A suit. It makes mm. you kind of, well, it, it presents you as something, doesn't it? And I think yeah. if you look at all the comedians, and you're, you are part of that set of comedians, like what, what are the comedians that wear, like Jack D, he wears suits. Yes, he does wear a suit. Um, who else does? That fella, what does? One, two, three, countdown. Jimmy Carr wears a suit, yeah. Jimmy Carr wears a suit. Now, they all wear suits. Now, why the suit? I think I always enjoyed the idea of... I love the idea of dressing up in a suit. I think I always wanted to be a grown-up, even when I was a kid. From when I was about like four or five years old, I wanted to wear suits. Always like dressing up. Always like quite for, formal things, like formality. So I don't do it because it's what the other comedians do. I think I do it because it's... Um, I feel like a grown-up. I just like it. And I always think clothes about not how you look, about how they make you feel. That's what, I, that's what my dad told me. Good advice. Tell me about it, because I'm head to time polyester and I feel bleeding amazing. Well, you be careful with those naked flames again. Well, exactly. That's why I avoid them. But you look very, um, and I'm not saying you're not masculine, because to me you're absolutely gorgeous and masculine, but you're a bit camp, aren't you, to be fair? I'm I'm a bit camp, I don't mind telling you. And you know what? I used to be like, oh, no, is it too much for people? But now it's great, because I go, I don't care what people think. I'm 37 and I'll be as camp as I like. Oh, quite right. And it's bleeding gorgeous. Well, thank you for saying that. I mean, you know, our our, <laughs> our people are coming into their own, I think, right now. The camp is, is ruling the day. Um, and I'm very proud of that. I mean, I'm not the gatekeeper of camp. You know, I'm no Susan Sontag. Camp is so grounded in, I think, like making fun of things and like, you know, sort of sort of sticking your finger up at the kind of at the establishment in one way it's quite nice to dress like you're part of the establishment on the other it's quite nice exactly that's what i mean it's like a nice little little twist at the end and you come out and they're like oh and then you're like gorgeous you're beautiful you're doing a lot of sports presenting yeah <laughs> i mean you have haven't you <laughs> no business being there it's thanks to my friend mark mcadam who invited me on 
to do Soccer Saturday. Yeah, but you say you've got no business being there. Why not? Well, that's it. That's what I realised when I was there. There's no right or wrong way to respond to a football game, is there? Even if you don't know anything about football and you've never been to a game before. <laughs> exactly. But there's nothing more certain than getting a straight man. If you want to get something out of him, just pretend you don't know nothing about football or sports racing. Oh, and my then... God. Two hours later, you've had a stroke. <laughs> you've got a dry mouth and you're looking for the nearest exit. So it would be the perfect opportunity for you. But do you think you'll be doing any more of that? Because someone like you, who's like a, you know, an outwardly flamboyant queer man who's just out there doing his thing, being on those kind of shows, I think that's good representation. Do you know what I mean? I think that's what you we think? need in those kind of in that kind of world. Well, thank you for saying that. I, yeah, I had a nice time doing it. And I, you know, I just did respond. I mean, I was being a bit daft. I didn't think anybody watched it because <laughs> I don't watch it. I thought, what's this? Saturday Sport, what's it called? Soccer Saturday, I don't even know the name of it. It Soccer gets Saturday, like 7 million viewers or something. A lot of people really enjoyed it. Some football fans were not fans of mine for interrupting their sports coverage with me going, there was a man and he kicked the ball and then another man kicked it over there. And then they were like, get off my screen. <laughs> but that's good, isn't it? I enjoy that. Did they, did they Twitter you and Instagram you and give yeah. you grief? Did they? Yeah. Good. I bet that felt nice. Yeah, it was actually. You know what, Dan? It was really satisfying. The next day I was like, just to say, there's no right or wrong way to respond to a football game. Everybody's welcome. Which I did want to say, and I think that is important. But also, like, you kind of go, yeah, it is good to get that that, that type riled up, actually. Oh, yeah. <laughs> then, you sort of, then you've got one over them, haven't you? Because you wound them up. That's yeah, what I think. They're sat there with their Stella Artois and their plane walkers, screaming <laughs> at their mobile. <laughs> screaming at the telly, and I'm there going like, woo! I don't know. <laughs> they want someone there who's like, yeah, he passed it to the left, right one, two. And you're sitting there going, hello, gorgeous. I loved a bit. Of- I think that's what we need. That's perfect. So t- tell me, because you've got a gorgeous little book. No shame. Oh, thanks, Diane. Thank you. And it's ever so gorgeous. I've only read the first chapter because they sent it to me too late. But why did you feel like you had to get that out there? Well. It's autobiographical, isn't it? The, the yes. Book? I sort of wrote it as a series of stories about me, like being... Basically, being a bit of an outsider in suburbia and always feeling like I don't fit in. That's sort of what I wanted to write about. And I, 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 um, I yeah, I wanted, there were stories that I'd always had in my mind. I'd, I'd often kept a diary as a kid and as a teenager and, and growing up and everything. So I had the stories there anyway. And so I wanted to, yeah, I, I wanted to write about like being a bit of a, an oddball and embracing it and learning to embrace it. And, I, I you know, growing up in suburbia, in Bromley, um, there were times when I felt really odd. And I would I would do really odd things to sort of try and compensate for it or try and kind of like, I don't know, try and make it OK. And they didn't make sense at the time. They don't really make sense now. But I just thought I want to write them down and I want to sort of be, I want to stand proud and go, look, this is what it is to be odd. I don't, you know, this is, this is I don't mind being odd. I'm not ashamed of it. Because, you know, there's times you have growing up when you're like, oh, God, why did I do that? Oh, God, that's so embarrassing. Actually, if you go, no, I did that. I did that. And so then... Yeah, you've got to own it, haven't you? You've got to own it. And then no one can take that away from you. You present as like a like a straight masculine guy with the clothes <laughs> you wear. Some people would think that. <laughs> Some people have never met, met, never met anybody in their lives. Well, of course. And then you speak and they're like, oh, gorgeous. But in those clubs, because you must have done the circuit. Do you know? Yeah, you I must did. have done the circuit. All those working men's clubs and all those things that all the comedians have to do. So how, do you, how did they take your... You're, you know, you're shameless because, you know, when you say it's no shame, it certainly isn't. You can see that and that's what makes you shine so bright. But, you know, how did they take it in those in those places, those venues? They um, the, at first, well, it took me about 13 years of doing the circuit to kind of learn about what I was doing and sort of deal with it. Because at first I was young, I was in my 20s and I think I was trying to be like, oh, will people like me? Will I be accepted? And then I had an experience where it wasn't quite as simple as it, it wasn't this one experience, but... 
this one stood out of where I was on stage in Birmingham and someone went, uh, shouted something rude out. I won't say it on here because I know people find it very upsetting to hear it. But um, they shouted something out homophobic and I left the stage because I was sort of like, well, I can't, what can I do with that? They clearly don't want to see me. And then the booker turned around and went, well, because you only did half the time, we can only pay you half the money. And I was like, oh God, it's my fault. It's because I'm so weak. It's because I don't know what I'm doing. It's because I'm not strong enough to like know how to put people down. And then actually there was a little voice inside me that was like, oh, bollocks to them. You don't need to try and please those people. And actually I, it made me sort of double down somehow. I don't, can't really explain it. I don't know why, but it made me feel stronger about actually, no, I'm going to be even more. You thought I was camp before. And I was always trying to present it as something that was acceptable to people. And then I went, actually, you know, bollocks to them. I'll just um, be myself a bit more. And it still took time to get to that place where I really didn't care. But I did push myself and started to do things for, you know, like maybe the whole, maybe some people in a gig wouldn't like me. But then I'd be like, yeah, but maybe three people at the back are like, oh, somebody did something a bit different. I really enjoyed that. And I started to think about them. Do you know what, Tom? What have we? What can we expect from you next? Any more books or anything being written? Not at the moment. I mean, I've just finished one. So I think it would be a bit, a bit arrogant to start writing another. But I might, no, I would like to write another one, actually, Diane. Thank you for asking. What, what about a, um, a, like a fiction? Oh, I'd like to write a fiction. Everybody's doing fiction, aren't they? Yeah, I think you could do it ever so well, you know, with all the little gorgeous comedy jokes and things. It'd be ever so interesting. Maybe you could set it on that gay cruise you went on that time. That oh, I did. Were you there, Diane? Murder Mystery on the Gay Cruise. Yeah, I was having a little turn. Do you not remember? I was the lead singer in La Mis. <laughs> Eponine. <laughs> yeah, eth- ethylene. I was um, <laughs> ethanol. <laughs> ethanol. Sorry, it was, gay, it was a gay... Ethanol. Um, yeah, I was the lead on that. And I'll tell you something... Every bit of food on that trip cut into the shape of a swan. I'll tell you something, I can't eat now. I can't eat food now unless it's cut into the shape of a swan. <laughs> I adore it. I expect every towel in my bedroom. So why is that not in the shape of a swan? You know? <laughs> Toast. Wait a minute. That should be cooked in the shape of a swan. That's what I like. Just a thing. You know, I, I love us. I get it. I like a nice swan curry. Yeah. <laughs> it's another alternative choice. That's the Queen's bird. Leave it be. Leave it be. Anyone listening? Please. Before you get any ideas. She'll be after you. To see you down Canvey Pond with a little fishing net, trying to catch the swan and make a nice little dish out of it. It happens. I saw a man trying to get skewer a pigeon the other day. I said, what are you doing with that? He said, satay. He said, what? Satay pigeon. Really? Well, I hear they are delicious. In Basildon, it's all the rage. (laughs) They're on... (laughs) He's on Uber Eats, apparently. Anyway, Tom, my gorgeous babe, I bleed and adore you. Like I said, thank you for being a gorgeous... Gay man who's hilariously funny and beautifully talented on our TV screens on Saturday night being absolutely gorgeous. I love it. Oh, well, thank you for saying that. I've had a lovely time. You're the kind of mainstream entertainer I like. Oh, well, Diane, I hope I do you proud. Oh, you do. You do us all proud. And I'm sure you do um, where you are from. Tom's book. (laughs) No shame. (laughs) It's available now from all good bookshops. And you can download the gorgeous Audible because you, you did an Audible version of it, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, did an audiobook. And I would listen to your voice for hours on Bleeding End. Well, I would. I reckon it would stop me from smoking. <laughs> that, uh, not that I do smoke, but that's another little sideline you could go into. Fine. Hypnotism. I'd do that. Yeah, I'd love okay. to. Okay. I'll have a word with your agent. Have a word, see what they say. I know a nice little hypnotist. <laughs> I'll get you in touch. I'll hook you up. Paul McKenna. Do you know him? <laughs> Paul McKenna's doing. He's making a comeback, mm-hmm. Paul McKenna. He can still he still controls me. I went on his show back in the nineties. He still <laughs> controls me. Sometimes I'll be on the one four nine on my way somewhere. Paul McKenna, 
wherever he lives now, Rochford. <laughs> He'll click his fingers. He'll click his fingers and go sleep. I'm out like a light. When you wake up, you'll be doing the Charleston. Boo, there I am. You're getting smuggled into a car. Bruce Forsyth jumps out. Starts doing the cha-cha-cha. We're all doomed. All right, Tom, my beautiful babe. I adore you. Love you too. This is the part of the show where Milky and I, we do a beautiful little improvised song. We've got a one-take rule. No going back. No re-recording. We've got one take to write a little song for our guest about the little journey we've been on. So this song is a little beautiful one coming for the gorgeous, wonderful Tom Allen. All the time I spent on summertime All the time I spent in June Walking along the road Looking for the garlic nun She speaks in French in a beautiful way Her lips so big and gay She looks at me in her particular way And says Buongiorno Have you seen my little chicken tikka friend? Buongiorno I'd like a little writer on the side So Tom, Alan, my beautiful babe, you're just fine London year nine. I'll keep saying it until I can work out what I'm saying. If you're London year nine, you live in London till you're nine. Doesn't make sense. Live in London till you're nine, and you've just got a fine. Oh my god. Ladies and gentlemen, that was absolutely appalling. That song. I apologise in advance, but that's been. Another gorgeous episode of Chatting with Chorley with my beautiful, gorgeous guest, Tom Allen. Thank you, Tom. You're gorgeous. I adore you. This has been Chatting with Chorley, the podcast, with me, your host, Diane Chorley. Strumming away with those beautiful, gorgeous musical tones is the wonderful, the beautifully talented, milky, Bar Chris de Berg. Don't forget the wonderful producer who's made this show possible, Christopher Jones. Oh, Chris Jones, you're an absolute babe. You can see him on Instagram flashing his muscles. Watch out. Also, it's worth reminding that this is a hat trick cob past coming to you live from Canvey Island. Goodbye, my beautiful babes. Look after yourselves. It's cold out there, but it's also warm when it's summer. Goodbye, my beautiful babes. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to health care, it pays to be extra. 
and United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you.